Discover the leader in you with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen, former New England Patriot turned PhD. I bring a new brand of inspiration and passion to audiences worldwide. Having served and consulted with Fortune 500 companies, the National Football League Players Association, and the White House, each week I will prescribe empowering, motivational, and life-changing medicine for your soul. Now, it's time to discover the leader in you. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Discover the Leader in You. I am back from a well-taken vacation last week. I missed you guys dearly and am looking forward to today's show. Today, we are going to be talking about how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable. And it's so true. You cannot prevent it from coming. Sometimes it just comes and we never know when it's going to come. So we must be prepared for it. We have a very special guest that's getting ready to come on to the show. But before I do all that, let me just say again, this is M Train in the studio. <laughs> and I'm happy to be back in the studio with Dr. We J. missed you. <laughs> and, you know, the title of our show is Discover the Leader in You. And I never want anybody to lose that everybody has a leader inside of them. And just be careful what you're doing because your followers are always paying attention. My uh, daughter sent me a little note this morning of announcements that I have to make. And I just kind of am in awe because who knew that she was paying attention that I love post-it notes that she left me one on my iPad. That's awesome. So here's today's announcement. Mommy's back. Yes, (laughs) I'm back on the show today. Also, we have some fantastic news on our website. Everything is on sale 20% until Monday at midnight. So learning tools, webinars, online courses, we have these things available to you at jasoncarthen.com. 20% 20% off Monday at midnight. Be sure to go and check that out. So there, there's some other exciting news. I just kind of want to hold back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my golf tournament is coming up for the Leaders of Tomorrow Initiative. Come and golf with celebrities mm-hmm. July 22nd. It's a Friday. Shotgun is at 9 a.m. You can mm-hmm. find more information on my website, the Leaders of Tomorrow Initiative. It's the lotinitiative.org. Or you can give me a call at the office at 330-425-0962. We can get you information on that. Registration is actually opening Monday. Um, so be on the lookout for an invite from me. And if you don't get one, call me and I'll get you an invite. Yep. And Dr. Carthen, I will save the biggest news for you. All right. Thank you, honey. And it is so good to have you back. I mean, it wasn't the same. I mean, it was good to, you know, sort of uh, go solo for a second. But as many of you know, I love my bride. And, and when she's not here with me, things change. <laughs> Everything changes. But, you know, clean up. Oh, OK. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> before uh, diving in and uh, getting myself in more trouble, I want to share with you today. Today is going to be good because this is something that we all have to deal with. And Here's our reality. And again, just like my bride said, I just want to welcome you to season three, episode 12 of, Dis- 12 of Discover the Leader in You. And want to ask you, how many of us have ever had to experience conflict in our lives? You know, whether it was personal with family, on the job, or even with our spouses or significant other. I bet you just had some memories come to mind and even some feelings, feelings of anxiety, feelings of anger, bitterness, or even regret. The reason why I ask that question is because we all experience some form of conflict in our lives. How we handle that conflict and filter it through our own personal conflict lenses will tell us a lot about ourselves and the worldview that we possess and rely upon each day. If you handle conflict well and you rise to the occasion, 
Okay. But if you handle it poorly, you may just be swimming in the muck, trying to find your way. Well, on today's show, I have someone who is very special to me, and I'll tell you why in a little bit, who's going to actually discuss conflict. In fact, he's going to share with us how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable. Dr. Michael Hartsfield, President and CEO of Aileron Private Client Services, is going to be live with us in the studio to give us nuggets that we can use on a daily basis for our growth and development. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Hartsfield. He is a leadership coach, a speaker, and trainer. He is the president, as I shared, of Aileron Private Client Services, a company that focuses on emotional intelligence assessment and training to maximize the interpersonal skills so vital for effective leadership. He is also dedicated to helping leaders realize their fullest potential in achieving personal and professional goals. He also works with emerging leaders in various institutions where he teaches at the graduate and undergraduate level. His zeal for life is evident in his love of the outdoors, motorcycles, and most of all, his family. Michael is married to Christine, the true love of his life and best friend. They have two beautiful daughters who make them proud every single day. Dr. Mike, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, Jason. And it's good to hear your voice. <laughs> oh, thank you, brother. It's good to hear yours, man. It, it's been too long. It has been too long. And, you know, it's it's amazing. You, you make some friendships and some relationships that they don't have gaps in them, even if you haven't talked to somebody in a long time. Yes. You pick up where you left off, and that's kind of where it is today. Good to hear you. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate, appreciate you so much, man. It, it's been... It's been a long time, and the reality is, you know, even though, you know, time has separated us, you know, the the connection remains so true, you know, and it's what you alluded to. And, you know, I when I thought about the idea of bringing somebody on to talk about such a very sensitive situation, conflict, <laughs> whether it's personal or in business or whatever it may be, you know what, you came to mind, and here's our reality. You have always been that guy that sort of smooths the edges, you know? I mean, you don't, you don't let things kind of run off the track. So we're going to mine that uh, wisdom today and kind of figure out where it's coming from, and we're looking forward to uh, some of your comments, okay? Great. Looking forward to it, Jason. Excellent. So let me ask you, kind of set the tempo. Why do we need to change, you know, our perspectives on the role of conflict in our lives, but also in organizations? Why can't we just keep doing what we've always done, Mike? Well, as you and your beautiful bride said at the beginning, conflict is something we can't avoid. It's a part of life. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders, if we can understand that conflict is a gift, and I say that because conflict handled well, is a leader's greatest opportunity, and I really do believe this, one of his, greatest, his or her greatest opportunities to build bridges in an organization, mm. create the kind of trust and respect to increase levels of influence they have, and leaders do influence. Uh, nothing can do that better than well-managed conflict. A leader who, who manages conflict well can build bridges and not walls. The problem is, when we talk about conflict, everybody gets immediately, and this has already been mentioned, we, there's a visceral reaction to the word conflict. Yes. Because more often than not, uh, conflict is built walls and not bridges. But 
we've got to change the way we look at it because this is a great opportunity for us to grow in, in our leadership and for the people around us to to see us in a in a light that allows them to trust and respect. Oh my goodness! All right, so you just opened up a can of worms, brother. We <laughs> we got to unpack this a little bit. If I heard you correctly, you said that really at the end of the day, conflict is a gift and. If it's truly that that greatest opportunity to build bridges, you know, and increase respect, then why do people run from it so much, Mike? I mean, that's I mean, like you said, it's that visceral response that, you know, I don't want any issues. I don't want conflict with you. Just I'd rather avoid it. You know, if it's a gift, how can we really paint it in that picture to people? Awesome question. And the simple answer is and I think most of us would agree with this. Uh, we have such a negative picture of conflict because we've seen it handled so poorly most yeah. of our lives. Yep. And um, unfortunately, we've seen it from a subordinate employee perspective looking up, if I can say that, to the leadership or the management and organization. Mm -hmm. And for too long, obviously, organizations were run with more authoritarian leadership, more directive, more pace-setting styles which said, if there's conflict, I as a leader win, and right. you lose. Right. That's the only way we can make this work. So we, when we get into a conflict situation, the first thing that happens to us is we immediately default, and this is where I see so much intersection uh, between what we're talking about here and emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and how our emotions work. Uh, there's this thing, Jason, called Heb axiom. Heb was a scientist or a psychologist uh, who who said many, many years ago. He made the statement. I think he was uh, did work early work in neuroscience. He said neurons that fire together stay together. Mm. No, you, neurons that fire together wire together, and they do stay together, which is a, an amazing thing. It's how we learn. It's how we for example, if we're trying to learn somebody's name, Heb's axiom is so true. These neurons that fire together, wire together. So we have an emotional response to people, and we do, whether we realize it or not. And then the rational part of our brain puts their name in there. And so the next time we see them, there's a lot of things working together in our mind that helps us recall their name. So Heb's axiom is a great thing there, but it may not be so good if we grew up in a home where there was nothing but yelling, screaming, and fighting. Yes. So now we step into uh, an organizational situation. We go into a meeting where there is discussion. There's not fighting. It's a discussion. And many times discussions require some conflict because we have conflicting viewpoints, conflicting tastes, conflict, conflicting values sometimes. And if we have had these neurons firing together that have now wired together, instead of us being able to look at conflict and say, wow, this is an opportunity for us to each one give our side, our viewpoint. No. Fear kicks in. Yes, it does. And there is this mm -hmm. rather uh, involuntary response to conflict. And when that happens, we know, because there's enough talk about now about the amygdala and what it does, but you got the fight, flight, or fight mechanism, fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. Right. And we've all been in meetings where we saw it. You know, you got the guy who starts to fight. 
And then you've got the ones who flee. They're the ones who immediately start writing on their notepad mm-hmm. or reading the paperwork that was passed out at the beginning of the meeting. Right. And that's the way they flee. And then the freeze people just sit there staring like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. And that's what conflict has done to them. They cannot function in conflict. Now, Mike, let me ask you this, because you you dropped a lot of nuggets right there. When you started talking about Helm's axiom, just the idea that we all have home of origin issues. I talk about this just all the time, and we're going to take a break here in a few minutes. But one of the things that I had to realize is that if you don't do the work to deal with those issues, then you will never get past what you just described. I mean, that age-old challenge that you described there, if you don't do the work to understand that, hey, maybe it's it's not personal, you know, maybe we can think about this conflict differently, maybe we can even inject some healthy understanding of what this conflict is to help us all grow. If you don't do the work, then you're going to stay in that cycle. And whether you're going to have the fight, flight, or freeze <laughs> response, it's just going to remain there unless you do the work. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely agree. That's the reason when you look at emotional intelligence, the first um, competency, the first skill, the first domain, whatever you want to call it, all, <laughs> so many different names, is self-awareness. That's it's right. always self-awareness. Yeah. And the problem is what you just described are the things that are going on in that totally unaware part of our brain. Mm-hmm. Yet they drive the things that we say and do. And yeah, if you if you don't go in there and just make yourself aware of what you're feeling and give yourself a chance to understand it, you no, know, you'll never change, Jason. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is good stuff. Everybody, we're gonna take a quick break, but Mike just wanna let you know Cindy Pippen just shouted out to you. Outstanding. I don't know who Cindy Pippen is, but she knows you. That's my cousin. Boy, oh. I tell you, I got my family. <laughs> you got your family. <laughs> Tweeting to us and sending stuff. All right, Cindy Pippen, thank you for that. Everybody, (laughs) we are going to transition. We are talking to Dr. Michael Hartsfield on really how to lead and love, you know, when conflict is inevitable. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. And thank you for that shout out. Keep them coming. the leader in you we are having great conversation with dr mike about how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable and before we went to break i was just in awe of all of the stuff that they were talking about with conflict it is one of my weakest areas i do not like conflict i try to avoid it at all cost and so i'm pretty much taking notes the majority of the show but i value both dr carthen's opinion and dr mike as well and just they're experts in this field and so i'm i'm hoping that everybody out there is taking notes like i am well, I tell you what, honey, thank you for that. But you know what? You always try and like uh, back out of this. We we know you went to Regent University. You got your master's degree. Oh, oh, I <laughs> have my there. own set of questions. <laughs> well, Dr. Mike, man, when you dropped a bomb about Helb's axiom, I said, there he goes. You know, we mm. <laughs> he's about to show out. And sure enough, you did. So our reality is this, you know, before we went to break, we were talking about the the idea that You know, conflict is something that we're all keenly aware of, but the reality is we don't know how to always handle it. And Dr. Mike really shared the piece about 
whether or not you engage in fight, flight, or you freeze. And, you know, couple that with home of origin issues, and you're going to have some challenges. Now, one of the things that I really liked about what you shared there, Dr. Mike, is that, you know, unless we are able to initiate that quadrant of self-awareness with emotional intelligence, we're going to stay in that cycle. And it's going to be almost a, a certain point of bondage. But, you know, if I hear you correctly, there's there's hope. <laughs> there's something we can we can do about that. We can figure out the difference between constructive and maybe destructive conflict. You stole my question. Oh, sorry, man. Oh, yeah. yeah so, the, the, there, there is constructive and destructive conflict for sure. And we've already talked about some of the destructive things that happen. Yeah. I, I mean, as, as soon as a negative emotion is triggered in someone, then we're moving down a destructive path because that part of the brain that was put in us, uh, it's not the reptilian brain, but it's barely developed above the reptilian brain, the, the limbic system of our brain. Mm-hmm. And it tells us instantly whether someone is a friend or a foe. And we don't even know what's going on, but we have these visceral responses to people. So you step into a conflict situation and you make really quick decisions. In fact, uh, Dr. Jason, as soon as you came on the radio today, if people had not heard you before, they immediately had an emotional response to you and decided whether they liked you or didn't like you immediately. And right. the same is true when they heard me. Yep. So we walk into a situation, and if we're predisposed to be threatened, and I'll tell you what, Jason, the thing I have found that is most debilitating to people if they have ever been badly shamed. Shame stays with people for a lifetime unless there is some kind of healing that can be done. And you walk into a conflict situation with a sense of shame, and you will always see the other person or the situation as a foe and not a friend. So, yeah, it can be very destructive. The constructive part and, and I want to go to the, the title of what we were calling this, Lead with Love. And I'm sure a lot of people will go, love, wow, hmm. you know, let's get around the campfire and sing Kumbaya, love. I don't know if I want to talk about that. Right, That's, yeah. And before about- you before you transition, you know, the reality is different people have different viewpoints around love. And that whole piece that you just shared about shame and what I like to call illegitimate shame, we have to mm-hmm. be careful because those are the lenses that we talked about. But go ahead and transition. I just I wanted to piggyback on that for a second. No, and that and that's good. The the problem with love when we say love and leadership, a lot of people don't want that. They don't don't put those two words together. Right. If I'm going to lead, I got to be in charge, large and in charge. You know, or I got to be the sage on the stage or whatever. And love's not a part of it. But if we change that to compassion. It's a little more palatable for people. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're talking about. And when you look at emotional intelligence, I don't care what kind of model you look at, there's always some element of empathy in a, in a solid, reliable EI model. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that simply means if we're not aware of what other people are feeling, um, we're going to destroy them every time. Every time. And this is, wh- this is where the walls come up. And you're in a conflict situation, and... The other person has been told, <laughs> typically, it's nonverbally. It's not with words. It's in a nonverbal communication. They've been told, in this particular conflict, you have no voice. Well, 
now shame, fear, uh, a sense of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. All these things begin to rush in on people, and nothing good can come of that. If a leader will take the time to show a little bit of compassion in these conflict situations and just simply, just simply acknowledge that the other person has a voice. I heard what you said. I understand you're struggling. I understand your fear here. Now, move on. All of a sudden, uh, the walls have come down. There's trust. There's an avenue now for people to come to a, a logical conclusion. It doesn't mean you're going to have agreement at the end of a conflict situation. Right. But it means you're, you can agree to disagree. Yeah. And I think, you know, let me react to that because I love the way you unpacked it there, especially the the piece relative to engaging compassion and empathy. You know, a lot of times, Mike, I'll use the term lead and love. You know, even one of my books, I talk about that. You lead and love and you create legacy. Now, here's my thing. Even though it may not be palatable, when are we going to throw down a gauntlet and say we have to do this? Because... We are really fighting against just decades, decades old ideas of very mechanistic leadership, you know, and and I I know you're no stranger to this, but when Patterson, Dr. Kathleen, talks about the idea of agapao love and this moral love, that's the basis upon which we can build a foundation to truly make an impact in our followers' lives and maybe short circuit some of the shame and some of the other things associated with it. Do you think we have any chance of doing that so we can short-circuit some of those things and eliminate some oh. of this unhealthy conflict? Oh, absolutely. And that's really good stuff. What you just said is, is really good stuff. And, yeah, you know me well enough to know you're preaching to the choir on this because that's, that is my heart. And you, you remember uh, when we were in the Ph.D. program there. Yes. And— Dean Winston, we love him, but Dean Winston used to tell people, if you want somebody to build a fire under you, make you get your work done, come to me. If you want somebody to hug you, you better go find Hartsfield. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I need to jump in because I'm sitting here, you know, I have a question for you as as far as, um, you know, you're being emotionally attached with your leadership and, and leading in conflict, but it's from a woman's perspective, just in sitting, you know, sitting here listening to you guys talk, I'm like, do I jump in? Do I not jump in? Do I jump in? Do I not jump in? It's so hard for us to lead with love and not be considered pushovers. As far as also the male perspective, when when you know my husband is teaching or leading, and somebody going, oh, like he he's different. He doesn't. He's not yelling at me, or you know, I'm like, no, like he leads with love. Um, but you also have to watch because you're. A, a male leader, and so who are you leading with love, and how, how's it being interpreted, and all this stuff, and so it just creates little mini conflicts within itself. But yeah, I you know I just wanted to kind of jump in there because as a female, I go I want to lead with love, but I also want my voice to be heard and not to be taken lightly. That I you know I know how to lead. Honey, thank you for sharing that, and and Mike, you can react to it too. But I, I think one of the things that I found over the years, even uh, with some of my uh, dissertation students or I'm sitting on my uh, committees, I realize that, and this is not fair, and honey, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but ladies feel a sense of if I'm going to be taken seriously, I need to be stern. I I need to lead in a very aggressive way. And it's at that point that I say, hey, you know what? That's not reality. You need to lead within your gifting. (laughs) You know, don't try and be something you're not because of what society says, because 
then you're short-circuiting your gifting. And we run into so many other issues, just like my wife described there. And Mike, what do you think about that, especially relative to conflict and what we're talking about? Well, I totally agree. And, you, you know, when you look at emotional intelligence, there are certain domains of emotional intelligence that women uh, just score higher. Mm-hmm. Because men and women are so different. We have different dispositions. Yes. We have different emotional makeup. And I totally agree that for uh, a woman to go into a, a leadership role, and there have been some very powerful women in CEO positions in Fortune 500 companies. Yes. Some of them have done amazingly well. And I'm, I'm the, the name of one escapes me right now. She came in and turned, was it HP? Yes. Uh, yeah. She, she completely turned that around. And if you look at the way she did it, uh, it was a very woman approach. Right. She built camaraderie and teamwork. Now, there are others who have come in, uh, and they have been an abysmal failure. I, I don't know how else to say it. And I do believe it's because they tried to lead like a man would lead. Right. And there is something amazing about, the, in fact, compassion and empathy are areas that women consistently, if you look at the EI research, they consistently score higher than we guys, Jason. And yeah. it's, uh, it's a place, that is a part of leading that when done well, oh my, it is so effective. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And you were talking about Meg Whitman with uh, HP. Hey, Dr. Yeah. Mike, we have to take a quick break. Hey, everybody, make sure you stay connected. We're going to We're going to let you know how to get in contact with Dr. Mike. And as he talks about Aileron and how they do things, you want to be connected with him. So stay tuned. He'll give you all that information. You are listening to Discover the Leader in You. And we're talking about how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable. Stay tuned, everybody. back everybody to discover the leader in you we are continuing our conversation with dr mike on how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable and we were talking about you know just the emotional intelligence piece with um the leadership and females and males and our different perspectives and um, i know we gave a shout out to what was the lady's name again uh meg whitman from uh, hp but for me just it in my small circle like dr patterson is is one of the females that i most respect for the way that she leads in love and of course, her her uh, background and what she does with Agapago Love and and just the research that she's done in it, it, it empowered her to teach us as students um, how to lead and how to be comfortable in it. And I guess just reacting to Dr. Carthen, what you had mentioned, I don't think it's a, a matter of women so much having to go up and, and act like um, a characteristic that they're not to prove a point. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so some women do not step up to the plate to lead for fear of not being able to lead in that capacity or for just feeling that, well, I'm not a, a man of a higher standard or position. I can't do it. But some of the, some women that do go out there and do it, they kick butt when they go out there and do they it. They sure do, do a great job. But then there's others that feel that they do need to go out there and attack the world in order to be heard. And then that's kind of where yeah. there's consistent conflict. And so I, I was asking that because Dr. Mike, what I wanted to know was, you know, how does conflict lead? to emotional hijacking, you know, in that sense, too. And so that's kind of why I set it up the way that I did. Mm, that's good. Emotional hijacking. 
<laughs> it happens to us. You know that, man. <laughs> there you hit a hot button. That's, yeah. Well, you know, we do. And it's uh, it's become a catchphrase. People talk about amygdala hijacking, emotional hijacking, because the amygdala is that part of the brain that triggers the adrenaline rush and the fight or flight mechanism. And, and it does. It really does control how we think. Uh, it's interesting because our brain is basically lazy. Yeah. And if we're aware of that, then we can work around its laziness. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of writing on that. In fact, uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, I don't know if you read that. Get ready for a, get comfortable when you read it. It's over 500 pages. But his, his work is he's the first one, I think, to, to talk about level one and level two thinking. And level one thinking is that emotional part of us. It, yeah. it happens almost spontaneously. Mm-hmm. But the level two thinking is the part that we, we have to do with intention. And that's that prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain, the most developed part of who we are, what makes humans the superior created beings on Earth. And we don't engage it sometimes. We live with that limbic system driving what we do, and that's the emotional hijacking that that happens. But we have to understand that it's in that prefrontal cortex, in that rational, most powerful part of the brain, that we can make objective decisions. It's there that we can take multiple thoughts, uh, information, massive amounts of data, and objectively process it. It's only there where we can come up with choices. And if uh, alternative ways to do things, the emotions are going to tell you how to do it one way. And Jason, it goes back to some of us, how we were brought up. That's right. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't change. But Mm -hmm. that part of the brain is the only place that we can come up with alternative decisions, alternative behavior. And we have to make sure that we engage it. Um, The book, the Anatomy of the, of the Soul, written by a psychiatrist, and I didn't plan to mention that, so I don't have his name right here, but it's an incredible book, and he talks about the integrated mind, which is how we integrate this limbic part of the brain and the rational part of the brain so that we're, we're not operating with a lazy brain. I love David DeSalvo's book. I love the title of it because this is really, this is really what we got to do. He, the title of his book is What Makes Your Brain Happy? and why you should do the opposite. <laughs> mm, wow. <laughs> and, and, and what he's saying is our brain is happiest when it's not working hard. Mm-hmm. It's what Kahneman talked about, that level one thinking will default to it. And unless we say, you know, I've got to change these habits, I've got to change these behaviors, I can't figure out how I reach a glass ceiling no matter where I go. And then I start to burn bridges. That's right. My relationships fall apart. Well, start activating this part of the brain that can look at things objectively and determine what we need to change instead of being emotionally hijacked every time. Perfect. That is good stuff, man. And I, you know, I have to react to that. I mean, you you shared a couple of nuggets, and I want to make sure our listening audience they're able to come away with it. I know you share what makes your brain happy and why you should do the opposite, and that's David DeSalvo. And then the salvo, and then the other one was the anatomy of a soul, and that's Daniel. You said Kahneman. 
No, Daniel Kahneman is Thinking Fast and Slow. Okay. And that is an incredible book. He has He's a Nobel Prize winner, actually won the Nobel Prize in economics, because wow. so much of what he's talking about is how the economic system works. It works around our brain. I mean, why do we spend money, invest money, do what we do? It's because there's a part of our brain that can really be easily, may I say, manipulated. And, yes. and his research goes to that. It's amazing. The anatomy of the soul, and I'm looking it's right Rab- now. Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg. Nope. <laughs> no. No? Nope, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that was deep. <laughs> uh, well, as you find it, as you find it, just let us know. But I, I had a follow-up question to what you shared because this is, I mean, this is the meat of it. What I'm hearing, and, and I think the thing that's woven, it's almost like a tapestry through everything we're talking about. If you're going to deal with conflict in a way that's going to be healthy and effective, we have to change our mindset and how we react to it. If we had to just just boil this down, <laughs> distill it and say, hey, everybody, if there was one nugget to take away from Discover the Leader in You today, we really have to change our mindset because conflict is going to be with us. And there are different conflict styles. You know, you have that aggressive conflict style, you have the avoidance style, then you have that more of a democratic, you know what, I want to be the peacemaker and fix things, you know, but that's more of a collaborative style. But our reality is how we react to it is going to be based upon how we view it, how we think about it. And we, we all have to get better with that. And I want to share a little story with you. It's very impromptu, but our daughters have joined us in the studio. And they're, I don't know if their mics are hot or not. But my daughter, Destani, she's so funny. You know, when you, when you engage her at a certain level, she'll shut down on you, you know. And what I've learned over a period of time is to engage her in a way that doesn't make her shut down, but also show her that you have to grow because you can't go through life shutting down. It's like what you talked about at the top of the show. Right, Mike? Right. Yeah, right. so yeah. yeah, you you have to know how to deal with people in a certain way, but then they also have to have a responsibility to grow and understand that conflict is going to be inevitable, whether it's personal, in business, whatever it may be. So I just love the way you're sharing these resources with us. And I don't know, did you find it yet on the anatomy of a soul? Yeah, it's Dr. Kurt C-U-R-T Thompson. Okay, perfect. Kurt Thompson. And he's psychiatrist. I found it too. Okay, (laughs) excellent. So everybody, hey, if you're tuning in, we always have this. We'll have this available. You'll be able to go right to the website, and then also you can download it on iTunes as well. But one of the things that we always want to do on Discover Leader and You is give you tools and resources. It's just like my wife talked about at the top of the show. I mean, we put our products on sale so you can get them in your hands to grow and develop, you know, at the end of the day. And Mike, you have just been just a, a conduit of information today. And and I love this, man. We are, we're rolling. We're going to have to take a break here in like two minutes. But Mike, let me ask you this, you know, there's some, there's some dangers. This is what I talked about with Destani. There's some dangers of suppressing emotions in conflict situations rather than confronting them. You, you have like a minute and a half. You can kind of tell us how do you do that? I mean, how do you how do you deal with some of those dangers and how do you effectively move beyond it? Can you share some nuggets with us related to that? 
yeah, you, it's very dangerous to suppress our feelings and our emotions because we fool ourselves into believing that emotions go away. The truth is, our mind is full of implicit memories. Yes. Everything you've experienced, everything you've heard, everything you've felt is stored away in this phenomenal mind that we've been given, in this fearfully and wonderfully made mind. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a storage problem. We have a retrieval problem. And one of the big problems with retrieval is we will retrieve things when we did not want to. Yes. It's called implicit memories. And this is one of the things Dr. Thompson talks about. And those things will come up at the most inopportune time. And uh, I don't know if I have time to tell a little story before the break, but there's, there, we've all had those times when Terry Pierce, in his book, Leading Out Loud, calls it the authentic voice. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it speaks. Mm-hmm. This is the reason you cannot suppress emotions. You need to deal with them, recognize them, see how you respond to them. Let the rational part of your brain process what's going on. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, in the most inopportune time, your emotions are going to show themselves. Okay, so Dr. Mike, what I'd like to do, when we come back from break, I want you to unpack that a little bit because the idea of leading out loud and what Terry Pierce shared, that happens a lot. And it's like, it's what I like to call it comes out sideways or you you uh, basically damage people because it comes out in a very unhealthy way. So I want us to talk about that when we come back from break. And, and then again, Dr. Mike, be ready because I want people to be able to get in contact with you, with Aileron and what you're doing on that side of things. So be ready to give your information. Hey, everybody, make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're talking to Dr. Michael Hartsfield on how to lead with love when conflict is inevitable. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. And I tell you, it's been just an amazing show. And, you know, I, hey, I'm going to go out on a limb. I love this guy. I mean, he, <laughs> Dr. Hartsville has been like a mentor to me. He's been an encourager. And Dr. Mike, you probably don't even know this, man, but you're in my book, <laughs> my most recent one, you will know. Uh, and our reality is that, you know, we pour into different people's lives and we may not know just the impact. And I have to let you know, man, love you, brother, and just your heart and how you serve so many other people. And I want other people to be able to have access to you. So tell us a little bit, how can people get to you through Aileron and just what you're doing on the private side of things? I know you're very gifted in that coaching capacity. Well, I appreciate that, Jason. And before I do that, let me just say this because I was thinking about during the break, how ironic that you and I are talking about conflict. And I, you probably know what I'm getting ready to refer to, but you and I had a conversation many years ago now. Yes. Frightening how long ago it was. Yes. We both have gotten gray. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. So we were sitting at a table in the beautiful Founders Inn in Virginia Beach, and we were having a tough conversation. And, you know, it was a conversation filled with conflicting viewpoints. Yes. Um, but it was two people who had deep appreciation for each other. And if there is any situation that I could think of 
that better uh, exemplifies what we're talking about, um, I don't know what it is than that one, because you and I left that conversation closer than we were going into it. And it was not a fun conversation. You remember that. Oh, absolutely. And we, since then, um, I held you in, in higher esteem, and I, I feel you did the same for me. Absolutely. This is the power of using conflict to do what conflict was intended to do. Listen, nobody changes. Your life will never change without conflict. That's right. Conflict and change go hand in hand. That's right. So we gotta we gotta learn how to do it well. And, and, and this you is have one to, of the things I Mike, let me react to that and I have a special surprise for you too. Uh, you have to be open to just that that stretching. And I remember that conversation all too well and and hey, that's why I say I love you for it, man. And uh, we grew so much behind it. But I have a special surprise for you and I think we're ready. Okay. Uh, we have someone on the phone that has a, a question for you, Mike. Hello. Hello. This is a shout. This is a shout out this, from his mom Mike, in Georgia. Mike, your mom is on the phone. Mom, can you mom can you turn the radio down a little bit in the background? Yes. And this is his mom's friend. Just a minute. Okay. That's Teresa. <laughs> Hello. To my mom so well. <laughs> Teresa, how are you? Hello. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm doing well. We just want to say thank you for calling into the show today. Yes, we're enjoying it. <laughs> yes, well, I, I tell you what, Teresa and Mom, if you can hear me, you should be so proud of your son. I mean, he's doing some amazing things, and he's really showing out today on the show to over 300,000 listeners, so this is good. Oh, my goodness. Listen, he's preaching to his mom, too. Good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything you want to say? <laughs> I'm just going to – I'm going to go ahead, Mom, while you got on – while I got you on the line here. I'm in Virginia Beach, and she's nine hours away in Georgia. Mom, I'll see you Wednesday night. You didn't know I was coming, but I'm going to come Wednesday night. Oh, that is awesome. Oh. So there you go. Oh, I'll see you Wednesday night. Sure okay. That is great. Well, Mom, we're going to let you go. We're going to transition here, but thank you so much for calling in. And, again, you should be so proud of your son. He's doing some amazing things, okay? Well, I'm, I'm prejudiced. I, 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 I like him, too. <laughs> well, we like him, too. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. Excellent. Well, Mike, I, I bet you didn't know that oh. was going to happen. No, no, I didn't. But every every person should have a good mom. I got a good mom. Yeah, a wonderful she, lady. She's awesome. That is great. And and I, and I think it's a it's a testament to just what you've been able to do. You know, I mean, just the fact that you know your ability to walk this thing out and. And live in a way that's not only honoring to those around you, but also to your mom. I mean, that's yeah. that's amazing. And then, you know, I'm just going to put you on front street, man. We're going to get back to the interview here in a second. But I, I think there's there are those uh, there's the, there are those moments in life. You know, I won't say it's that Kairos moment, but there are those moments in life when you have to let people know that there's some amazing things that are happening around you and you need to plug into it. And what I'm talking about is just what you're doing with people, Mike, and just the impact of it. And 
you know, I'd like to have you share, how can people get connected with you? Tell us a little bit about how they can do that. Do they need to call Aileron or is there, are you on social media or how do we do that? I see Christine more than I see you on social media. So <laughs> talk to us a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife loves social media and I, I need to be on social media more. I've done some periscopes and got a few followers on that, but uh, I've got a website. It's one I put up. Actually, I put it up because I was helping people build websites, and so I did it in three hours just to show them they could do it, and I never changed it. But it's <laughs> rewired, lead.com. And really, Jason, that's my heart, is helping people get rewired. You said it earlier. If we don't get rewired, if we don't change what's going on in our emotions that's driving us, we're ne- we're never going to experience. We're never going to get from where we are to where we want to be. And I find a lot of stuck leaders. These are the people I enjoy working with. Uh, everybody needs a coach because we've got blind spots. We can't see what's got us stuck, but somebody else can. Uh, if somebody wants to email me, uh, rewired to lead. Uh, the easiest one is at gmail dot com. There's some others, but rewired to lead gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. And there is a phone number there on the website if somebody wants to call me. Um, I'm going to, I'm working on a book <laughs> and some other things are in the works, nice. but, uh, that's down the road some, Okay. but yeah, Excellent. I, I, I really do have a heart for people. And I appreciate you recognizing that because I think if we can transform the way leaders think, we have transformed influencers who can change the way so many more people think. That's right. Yeah, that is so true. And that's, that's the reality of it. And just, just to recap, hey, everybody, make sure you go to rewiredtolead, okay, dot com, and then also you'll find the phone number there, and then also rewiredtolead at gmail.com if you want to send an email. And it, it's so important to get connected with those that have a heart to see you grow and develop. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing you want to do. And just like the, the title says, Rewired to Lead, we all need that coach. I don't care if it's sports. Uh, I don't care if it's in business or just even in your personal growth. We all need that outside look. There's a thing called the Jahari window. And my wife, she uses it a lot. She's a coach. She does all these different things uh, with M-Train Fitness. And the reality is that when you have that Jahari window going, you want what someone else on the outside can see that you can't see. That's one of the quadrants. And it really speaks to that. And, and Mike, it sounds like you're helping people to see those things that they normally cannot see. And it's just, it's amazing. Just some of the nuggets you've been sharing with us today and just the things related to leading, you know, with love when conflict is inevitable. That is just, it's just some good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, let me just say this and, and, in closing, I my heart is in helping people with their emotional intelligence. Not that it's the holy grail, but it's it's undeniable that it's, it's potent. And yes. I like to work with the EQI assessment, and you're familiar with it. And yes. uh, that's one of the things I do with my coaching. If anyone would be interested in doing that, it's a powerful tool for coaching, especially if you're in a leadership role. So I would encourage anybody interested in growing in their emotional intelligence, let me know. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, a lot of people don't realize, hey, there are ways to quantify this. <laughs> you know, I mean, just Absolutely. we're almost out of time. But, Mike, if, if people if they want to deal with something relative to the EQI, 
you know, that's going to show them where they need to grow after they've taken it, correct? Oh, it's, it's tangible data that's reliable and valid. It's a great place to start a coaching relationship. Yeah. Excellent. All right, everybody, we are out of time. It's amazing how things just fly. I, I've, <laughs> we always say that, and our reality is that, hey, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we don't have enough time to do some of these things that we do. But hopefully you have gleaned some things today and you've been able to just, just grow and develop. One of the things I want to remind you of, hey, we are going to be expanding the show. We're going to be doing this every day during the week. We've been picked up, so be ready. I'll send information to you about that. But in the interim, live your destiny on purpose, everybody. Take care now. You've been listening to Discover the Leader in You with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen. We want to hear from you. Connect with us now. Visit our blog and visit our website at jasoncarthen.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Enterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Jason Carthen. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you want to listen to the podcast, go to jasoncarthenradio.com. Be sure to join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer, to discover the leader in you.